0: Huh? What's up?
2: He's better than Oprah. Come on, y'all!
0: This is Shaunti, and it's time to trust and believe. Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Shaun T and today we're going to enhance your ability to trust and believe and being able to speak freely and be truly You, we are here with a friend of the show, Mr. Aaron Alexander. What's up?
2: Thanks so much for, we just completed a a pretty hot, sultry, spicy, steamy (laughs) conversation. Yes, we did. An hour and a half long conversation went in. We taught women how to, (laughs) what they can learn from men in fellatio. (laughs) I've gotten a lot from that experience.
0: All right, so I'm in Austin, Texas right now, which is one of my favorite places to come. I actually told my husband, I was like, if we ever buy a second home, I really want to buy one here just because I really love it down here. I think it's great. Anyway, with that said, before I I met you in person and I interviewed you, (laughs) you know, I always looked at you as like a really cool person and we had a really great connection when I interviewed you a couple years ago. And so when I saw him walking in the door, I said, damn, he is hot as (laughs) <laughs> I received that. And then I just said, you know what, Sean, you are here to do a job. I received that, Sean T. Um, and, and for those of you out there who are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you would say that and you're married. My husband, he actually – we actually point out the hot people in the place. We're not We're not one of those couples that's like, if you think somebody else is hot or if you, you know, find someone else attractive or if I catch you looking at somebody, like, it's over. We yeah. don't do that because we really – like to embrace each other's, you know. I think
2: it's a good way to maintain, we talked about that in the previous conversation as well, but maintaining passion and balance with intimacy. So intimacy is that part of like, okay, I can trust you with anything. I love you. We're like, we really, we feel like this conciliance with each other. And then what creates, I'm, I'm borrowing this from Esther Perel, maybe captivity specifically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what creates that passion aspect of is it is individuality. You know, so the ability to be like, oh man, like I have I I do have my own sexual desires and desires in general and wants and needs and all like, I I still am this entity and I'm not just solely in this relationship. Like I'm a hundred percent in this relationship, but I'm an individual in this relationship.
0: I just officiated a wedding. And one of the things that I, one of the things that I said during my, my passage was, I I do not like when people say that's my better half. Mm. I'm like, because if you are operating on halves, then you are not reaching your full potential individually or as a couple. Yeah. Well, it's you just know. codependence. Right. And so I was like, no, that's another whole part of you. You know, I just want people to like operate as a whole and just to be able to, I think that's the way you can, you can truly grow and, That's another way that you can accept when someone else is growing. Because if you're only living half of who you are because you're giving the other half to this other person, then when you see them, you know, taking off like a hot air balloon full of, like, fire, then and you're stuck down, you're going to be, like, you're going to be jealous and mad. And that's not necessary. Yeah. Well, finding security
2: in yourself, I think, is, like, a major foundation for most relationships. I'm still sorting that out myself, but full. Wholeness. Are you in a relationship? We literally are like in the process of, I think, breaking up right now. Um, I still would like to be in the relationship. I also acknowledge that it's, it's had its challenges. We, we differ and clash in enough ways that it makes things challenging. Um, and so I'm kind of in process of navigating that right now. We had like a therapy thing last night. We're, you know, maybe not for very long. We're in a transition phase right now. We'll see where that goes.
0: Is your partner like you where they kind of, I feel like when I look at you and I talk to you, you look at life as a full experience. Whereas, you know, if this isn't working or like I'm really going to make sure I'm looking at the big picture before I make some crazy decision or get really mad about a decision that someone else is making or, or do they look at this possible Splitting apart is like this horrible thing, and like you're a horrible person for once. And she do this?
2: does a better job. So, originally, the, the, the main one of the main splits was what her deepest, and we're going to do a, a podcast on my podcast about this, you know, so this is with like, her. Yeah,
0: that's cool.
2: Um, but one of her deepest wounds or traumas would be not being chosen all the way. Uh, particularly from a man, you know, so her father, her brother, she's like had, you know, past relationships, um, not being like the most important thing, not being like the jewel or being just absolutely all the way chosen. Mm. Um, and so within that, I've had, uh, I have historically had a tendency of um, commitment, like marriage level commitment is something that's has has been kind of scary for me. Uh, it's been something that feels like it potentially threatens this you know sensation of freedom mm. and so my tendency is to want to maintain like relationship diversity in some way like flirtation or messages or like I don't I, I, I have I think fear around shutting down like all other connections with females and that is Become, that rubs her deepest wounds like the worst possible way. And so um, trust became a challenging aspect of our relationship. And it's a, a part of that. And the interesting thing, I think, uh, is what if I'm in a container with a person or in a conversation, whatever it may be, where. I I feel like I feel safe to be able to express any parts like uh, attraction or or just anything shame guilt like whatever it may be, um, but particularly with like sexuality, then suddenly it reduces the magnetism to wanting to wander out and having wandering eyes and being like oh we should have threesomes we should you know all the things, when it feels like there's that that freedom within the relationship, suddenly to me, I'm like, oh, it's you know not that interesting. Yeah. But when it feels like it's like, oh no, absolutely not. That is the worst possible thing that could happen. Like that's, you know, game ender, game closer, like no chance. Then suddenly it becomes interesting.
0: Well, it sounds like you just don't like to be trapped in a box.
2: Our perception of an experience isn't necessarily absolutely true to the experience. But yeah, I can, I can have that sensation of like feeling trapped.
0: That's very true when you say that because... My husband and I, I definitely have <laughs> experiences. Where we're like, oh, you know, we should try this or we should do this. And then we're like, that didn't necessarily end up <laughs> the yeah. way that I fantasized really, about Usually when it. you
2: do it, it's not that amazing. I mean, right. You know, like, and, and I think there is something really beautiful about, for, for me, a, a um, primary partner or a monogamous partner or someone that's like, it really is like you have that that built up trust and emotional connection and they're like, you know, your wife or your husband or someone that you have that level of connection with. And typically in my experience, wandering away from that, it's more the the idea of it that is really interesting, but the actual physical act is also can be pretty interesting as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think it's it's more the desire and the idea and the build up and the visualization and the fantasy. You know, the actual thing oftentimes isn't as as, um, special as the, the buildup was in, in my experience.
0: I just think our minds are, our creative minds are much more powerful oh, yeah. um, than people might think. But I, I kind of want to continue to talk about this because a lot of people experience that, uh, especially if we can dive into relationships in general, because you're what it sounds like is you're very much like me. Like I'm super flirtatious. I love interacting with people. I love the human experience I love navigating different types of either messages or I just kind of love navigating through different types of conversations and subjects and topics because I believe it's where I learn best Mm. because I'm learning from someone else where at this moment we have something very much in common. But if I looked at the totality of their life, I'm probably going to be like, wow, this person is much different than I thought. But you do kind of get to number one, find a way to connect with a person with something that's, you know, that you guys kind of have in common. And then you get to learn about the things that you don't have in common. But, and I say all that to say because when you do choose a partner, or like when I choose Scott, like we are complete opposites, but everything that is opposite of us, Everything that we we have aligned together is amazing and powerful. But everything that we have that's opposite, we both love about yeah, the that other beautiful. person.
2: It maintains that polarity. Right, which is and, really
0: important. And I just think that I have that. I found my person. I found. I'm like, he's wonderful. We have zero secrets. I don't know if people are like. Yes, you do. I literally have no secret with him. He knows everything. Mm-hmm. He has the password to my phone. He can go through. He actually checks my email. He checks my text messages. Like I've, been, like he know he knows us in the hidden camera roll of my phone. You know, there's nothing. And I do believe that being able to communicate with other people in a way, kind of enhances that like ability to have knowledge and really experience the world. So when you also can find those new experiences within
2: an individual. Because, sure. cause an individual like I don't know myself all the way. You know, there's still layers of myself that I, you know, I'm anticipating being unfolded <laughs> through the process of life and relationship and all that. You know, so that also is very exciting. You know, the the experience of meeting someone on the face and saying like, okay, like wow, I, I, you know, they're a baseball player. And they, you know, like vanilla ice cream. And they like to go <laughs> running in the morning or whatever the thing is. You know, it's like cool. That's one version of that person you know then there's the you, know, you just keep on peeling the onion back and i think that that's the magic of relationship you know it, it it's the process to continue peeling and continue observing because i think upon initially meeting someone unless you're like some transcendent enlightened you know master of some sort then you probably be like seeing through the layers of people yeah. just in an instant have you been around anybody like that where it's it just feels like they see all the way through you
0: i mean i'm kind of like that yeah i can see that you know, and yeah. I hate saying that people
2: age. that have been through shit typically have the capacity to see through those layers. Yeah.
0: And I think that it's like really weird when I say something like, Oh no. Yeah. Like I get it. And they're like, no, you don't. And I'm like, but I do. And, and so, so myself, and I just like to say that. I, and I, there's only a few people that I connected with, um, through social media specifically, where I have like I'm able to have this conversation with them and I'm like, you no, know, I'm like so deep. And then there are times where people would come to my events or they'll come to my transformation weekends or my retreats. And, you know, they walk in and one of the first things they say to me, they're like, How did you know? Mm. Like without even meeting me. And I'm like, I just know. So anyway, I say me because it's kind of a coming out thing. I'm like me, but there are some people who are like super deep like that where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like you really, really, (laughs) really know. Yeah. And I find it to be a really beautiful thing because I think it enhances, I think what it is is people are aware and I think a lot of times those people are not allowed to hear something that makes them uncomfortable or see something that makes them uncomfortable. Like I said on your show, I just love being uncomfortable. I love things that are just so... Because my husband would always ask me, you know, why do you like scary movies? Why do you like horror movies? I'm like, because I just, I don't know what's going to happen. And the fear of the unknown is is. It's amazing. probably
2: also you like to feel. Big time. You know, and that's like in, in, in a, a culture that's largely touch deprived. You know, that's, that's there's, a, there's a, a book I'm reading right now. I was sitting on the floor here actually called Touch by a gal called Dr. Tiffany Field. And um, she is a researcher in Florida, and she conducts, you know, all, she's a like world-renowned researcher around touch and the effect on her physiology that. and health and emotions, all that. And one of the interesting studies that she's done um, was at a hospital in Florida with premature babies that were in incubators. And what they found was that the babies that would just have two sessions of 15 minutes of massage each day would grow 47% Faster than the babies that didn't have that physical touch, you know, and you see like like children in Uganda or various different countries around the world, a part of their upbringing is, you know, they're, they're held until they're like two years old. They just, you know, they're not on the ground essentially all that much Mm -hmm. because they're just, they're a part of their mom. You know, of so riding, they're on the sling and they're kind of, they're developing their sensory motor system and proprioception and emotional contact and pheromones and their touch system is, is continually being developed and it makes them feel safe and it makes them feel loved and it makes them feel supported and it makes them feel like, like life is pouring through. Yeah, yeah. I can feel it, you know, but a, a, a person that maybe is a little bit more deprived in that way, which particularly around the times of, you know, the, the COVID epoch, you know, and lockdowns and shutting down and, you know, stay home, be a hero, you know, don't, like that's, during that time frame we're going to see a lot of really interesting uh, effects of that, like we already are, you know, but I, I think that people at a, a deep level yearn to feel. You know and, and, and the more that we can feel, generally speaking, if we're able to process it, if we're not able to process it, then it becomes you know, as opposed to a you stress it becomes you know more of distress. like a distress yeah. or a trauma. You know, but the more that we can our, our cup can contain and we can hold and feel it it's, it's, it's like a healing force. And so I think a person in that situation because I'm, I'm very similar in that way, I'm like just I just want to feel, make it cold, make it hot, make it heavy, make it you know <laughs> whatever the thing is. And I think a part of that is is that is is a, a deep yearning just to to feel. I think.
0: Um speaking of that, this might be a really hard subject switch, but
2: Yeah. I think I already started the hard the hard subject switch. So but <laughs> seven inches. Yeah, with this seven point two measure every morning. It's
0: an inside joke, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. <laughs> go listen to this podcast where I was their guest and you understand what we're talking about. You know, you asked me questions on your podcast about, you know. gay relationships versus heterosexual relationships and we talked about sex and intimacy and like being able to really embrace your sexual feeling and one of the things that was really profound what we talked about is just how people are really afraid to talk about sex and talk about these things um do you identify as a heterosexual male
2: Hmm. i mean you you mentioned on my podcast as well like labels are funny but i'm Attracted, if you laid out a thousand men and a thousand women, I would analyze the potential of having sex with, you know, pretty much every woman, you know, and that wouldn't happen with with men. Right. And I think there's a lot of cultural influence, um, you know. So growing up with the belief system of like, oh, what does that mean if you were attracted to a guy, you know, if you did have some type of you know, sexually intimate experience with a guy, like what? There's there's so much deep baggage of shame in uh, at least American culture in most most schools. For sure. And it's even worse in most other cultures, really, I would say. What cultures is homosexuality celebrated?
0: The gay culture. Mm. It's not celebrated anywhere. I mean, I mean that's, it's like
2: parts of San Francisco and like maybe metropolitan cities, yeah, but, but it's still it's, it's isolated to like minority
0: groups. It's isolated to LGBTQIA plus, you know, it's isolated mm. to us, which is kind of weird because there are a lot of people out there who don't celebrate it or don't accept that as a part of culture or because of religion or because they're suppressing it. Yeah, that they still don't want to recognize it. I
2: mean, it's common all throughout nature. You know, so yeah. that, that that's the interesting thing, and we have there's so many parts of ourselves that, um, you know, we're uh, ashamed of, and they're completely biologically consistent with like as, as you know quote unquote like normal as one could be, you know, if you look at it from the the, the lens of like what And there's what no happens such as, thing as normal. Some exactly, you <laughs> know, but some percentage of animals in nature. Uh, for the most part there will be instances of homosexuality right. and it's like it's fine it's just whatever it's just this thing
0: well they're not an analyzer have you had an experience with a male sexually well
2: you know that I have because I told you before but, but <laughs> yes but I wanna I gotta I gotta I, I ain't wanna just
0: I, I, you know I didn't wanna be that person that's like well you've had an experience
2: yeah I got a BJ I got a BJ from a uh, a, a fella that was conducting some type of like shamanic healing on my nuts <laughs>
0: of course it had to be really part of another kind of experience yeah
2: (gasps) Yeah, i was in i was in la rubbing me up was it some um, spiritual stuff
0: was it interesting like how would you have described how would you describe it
2: yeah a lot of shame a lot of like oh you know and like okay you know i'm very just i'm intrigued by new experiences and i just i just want to understand you know and so, and so within that that was kind of the the thing i've i've, I've questioned i've talked about you know on different my podcast and different places and just with friends and whatnot of how does a person delineate and define what is my authentic truth compared to what has been just habituated upon me from parents and church and culture and you know all of those things and i think it's a it's a weird sticky conversation to to actually get into like what is really true for for me like the essence of me my biology and all those parts and we we talked about you know again on the other on the other side of uh or the other podcast around you know spartans and various different cultures where it's like to have sex with a guy and be like the top for example would be like an indication of being an alpha Mm -hmm. superiority all that stuff and so in that culture it's like the complete diametrical opposite scenario where it's like, no, you're the man because of that. Then you jump, two thousand years, you know, and and five thousand miles or whatever, over later, and it's like, oh no, no, it's if you do that, it's the worst thing, it's a completely, lifetime completely, of shame. Yeah. So it's like, what are these belief systems and stories and you know all of that? Just, so so parsing that apart, I find really interesting. And so that was a part of my um, being open to like, you know, he asked if he was like, can I, you know, give you a BJ? And I'm like, like, yeah. I think there was like a mechanical stimulation. And then also I think a part of the uh, the ability to actually get hard during it, probably a part of it is like the anxiety and like all these different parts that are built up. And that's, I think, how people develop fetishes as well. You know, yeah. it's like, whoa, this is spicy in here.
0: Well, you know, I wasn't going to ask. I was going to say it. But I like that. you know, in the gay world, you're not just going to like, I don't want people to be like, oh, Sean told the world that
1: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
0: i think that like one of the reasons why i did want to authentically ask that question is because you were talking about you know how like people who like who like to feel and it's not just physical touch it's you know feeling energy, feeling emotion, feeling, you know, just feeling all kinds of different things. Like and so for me, I am an emotionally driven person. And I understand that there needs to be, <laughs> there kind of needs to be a balance of logic. So your emotions don't, emotions don't fully take over, but I feel like I use my emotions in a positive way mm. to feel people. And I use my emotions mostly to, help people and to be able to respect people Mm. and because that's just really, really important to me Uh, because my husband Scott and I, when we first got together, he didn't understand why I was so emotional and he would be like, you know, I don't know if he said you're too emotional, but he was like, you know, there's emotional and there's logical. And I know there's other people that's like, you know, even his dad, who is an amazing author and he talks about emotion commotion, like when your emotions cause a commotion. Hmm. And I would always just kind of get really pissed at that because I feel like a lot of times people suppress their emotions so that they don't have to experience an emotion like crying. A lot of guys, if they, they like will hold in the cry just so they don't look weak. And I'm just yep. like, but it's one of the most amazing. And one of the
2: strongest, like one of the highest indicators of strength is a a strong, you know, strong in the sense they pick heavy shit up, fight, wrestle, you know, do hard things. That's also willing to be openly vulnerable. That's like, oh, oh boy. Like that's like real true strength.
0: Yeah, because it's like, it's like the dichotomy of that, right? It's like, I'm being this way but I also have this feeling as well. Like, Mm -hmm. and I can also release that and and express that. Why do you think a lot of people don't like to express it? Hmm.
2: That's a great question. Um, I think the, there's been a bit of a mix up of the idea of, um, undesirable, uncomfortable, more just uncomfortable emotions, uh, being perhaps like an indication of weakness or also maybe an indication of being like I'm a buzz kill, I'm I'm pulling the vibe down I'm like oh I don't want to be that guy you know but the reality is oftentimes the person that's willing to be that guy or willing to be that girl it creates the invitation for other people to actually tap into deeper aspects of themselves mm-hmm. so it, again it's very courageous to use the same language that you used in in, in my podcast before, we were kind of having a similar, similar vein of conversation, similar but different. Um, you know, So I think that that is a part of it. And what's interesting with that, um, among lots of things, is if you look at an animal in culture, like Robert Sapolsky wrote an interesting book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, and a, a part of that analogy slash literal experience, a zebra, if they escape the mouth of a lion you know, or whatever, then they will go to a shady place afterwards, and they'll go through this convulsive like shake it out like very not very beautiful I mean, I would find it beautiful, you right. find it beautiful, like it's actually incredibly beautiful they're 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 healing themselves, and
0: if they escape, this is real, huh.
2: Oh yeah I've yeah. Never heard of that. Well, you've had the experience where you're you you're having like a cathartic experience mm-hmm. where you're like <laughs> you're trembling, you're shaking. Yeah. It's almost like your body is literally imagine you have water on your hands and you want to get it off, you might like like flip it off. You know, but instead of that being water on your epidermis, it's, you know, hormones, cortisol, and epinephrine yeah. and all of those parts surging through your circulatory system. And so that experience of being able to actually maybe dance or be able to have an emotional release. And, you know, I, I, I've done rolfing, structural integration, body work, manual therapy, kind of like a blend of physical therapy and, and touch therapy or manual therapy um, for a while. And in that people have all sorts of different ways to have these, these quote unquote releases Sometimes people will yawn a lot. Like sometimes people will just weep. You know, sometimes people will laugh and just be laughing for five minutes, and all of that. In our culture, we find certain expressions to be socially acceptable and fine. So, I you know, I, I, I say uh, to to clients, I don't think I say this, and like you know, I don't think I talk about this too much. Um, but laughter oftentimes is a, is a close cousin to sadness you know, or shame or like deep hurt. And so this is the joker. On the face, on the outside, superficially, you can you have this deep emotive pent up sensation. And it could come out as rage. It could come out as sadness. Rage would be it would indicate maybe power. Right. You know, it's a right. suggestion like you have control, but really you hurt. You're in pain. You feel unloved. You feel scared, you feel left out, you feel any of that. And instead of being with that sensation, you instead s- express, flip the f- table over. I'm in control. Yeah, that is a hurt boy or girl. You know, and it's so beautiful.
0: <laughs> it really. I mean, is. if you're not the recipients. <laughs> but you. But, 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 but you there's mean. the availability.
2: Yeah. If I mean, if they're being dangerous and they need to, you know, be tended to in whatever way makes them not be dangerous anymore, but you know, to themselves or, or other people but to be an individual to have that awareness that oh this person that's expressing rage expressing anger expressing whatever it may be it's like okay like i actually can have compassion for this i don't need to invite you into my life you know i don't need to like <laughs> right. like receive your abuse but i don't need to just say like oh f- that guy he's an asshole cuz i don't know he's a hurt little boy or a hurt little girl you know but but what i was saying with that is is the the, the laughter part is something that we accept as being like oh he's fine he's just he's just laughing it like, off yeah. and so with like with body work and such or massage you can touch certain parts of the body and it, it might be like ticklish I'm not saying like rubbing a, a you know a feather on your armpit <laughs> but like leaning deep pressure into somewhere your psoas or whatever yeah. it may be and then person might be like ah, ha 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 like oh that's you know I'm just ticklish there but then, shortly after you get through that ticklishness, oftentimes it will turn into like, oh, no, it's actually really painful. Right. Oh, it's actually been pent up for who, you know, God knows how long. And then, oftentimes with that as well, there could be other forms of, of emotive releases on like the other side of that. But the, the face is laughter because that's what culture accepts as being like, oh, okay, he's fine.
0: There's one thing that I want to do, and I do want to get certified in like massage or body work. Oh, it'd be such a good idea. I think the problem is, <laughs> I'm like, who am I going to work on? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it'd be hard for me to put on a website, like, I'm a massage well, therapist. and No, you don't need to work on anybody. But for, I want to practice practice I think it's amazing.
2: It'd be so beautiful if people, massage is supportive. And by massage, I just mean touch, particularly like the flavor of touch being one coming from a lens of care and compassion and support. And like, yeah. I care about you. Yeah causes babies in an incubator to double their growth rate same food same everything cuz it sends the indication that oh wow I'm loved I'm loved I'm safe I'm a part of the tribe it reduces blood pressure it's supportive for cognitive function it's supportive for like every aspect of your health and well-being touch through you know compassionate loving supportive touch it makes everything work better yeah you know and and when a person the worst thing you could do to a person is put them in solitary confinement. You know which I'm actually doing a a darkness retreat in like 2 weeks. So I'm I'm, I'm volunteering to put myself into essentially solitary confinement but in the dark for for 5 days which probably isn't that big of a deal but
0: but just alone. Yeah. And food? Are uh-huh. you doing?
2: Anything? Yeah, so somebody there's they have like a double panel whatever situation where they can like they bring you one thing of food each day and then they like sh- shovel
0: it through. <laughs> okay, why are you doing? Um, I I think it's amazing, but yeah, there are a lot of people that's gonna be like, why are you doing this?
2: I think the reason that I'm doing it is, I think I like new things. Why did I get a blowjob from a shaman? <laughs> and not a shaman. <laughs> um, I actually became less less gay, less gay curious after that. I would recommend it. Anybody that's like, you know, I mean, most most men in Western culture probably at some point have had like a gay dream or, you know, something along li- those lines and they wake up and they're like, oh, what was that? You know, so I think that, that having the experience, you know, I, like I'm I'm, he- I'm here for it. And then afterwards, are like, cool, like I did it. It's not just this like... Whoa. But was it like,
0: a, did you have a f- like an orgasm? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Pretty quickly. Your ability to speak through that so freely... Mm. Is, a, is really incredible. I really want to commend you on that because there are, there are not a lot of people who, one, would, would say that they even had that, two, that would talk about they even possibly had a dream, Oh yeah. would analyze it to the point of, like, I became less gay curious after that. Because yeah. one of the questions I was going to say for later, but I, I just have to ask it now, like, why are you the way that you are? In because what, you're that I'm that I'm
2: so curious.
0: No, 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 no. Like, and maybe and I'm glad you asked that because maybe you don't understand what other people see. I mean, like you're a really special person. Hmm. And so like your brain is just like it's very free. It's kind of like what you were saying about just kind of you in the relationship and like hmm. you know I think maybe
2: I I appreciate you saying that. That's like really sweet. Um come come from you especially. Um, but probably if I were having to dissect what would be some like pivotal turns to cause that to happen, probably would just be perhaps one, um, being around uh, like hurt people growing up, um, having a pretty interesting family dynamic. My, my, my dad got, um, very addicted to crack cocaine. Not that I need to specify which version of crack. Um, And he was like, he ended up going to jail when I was like 16 or 17 or so. And he was, you know, in a very, as, as close to being dead as a person possibly could be. Like I was, I would, I would be rehearsing his, um, whatever version of his death would be every day while I was at school, like a lot, like at least. A lot. I don't know. Very regular. Just going through the different iterations. Almost as like an exposure therapy kind of thing because I knew it was going to happen.
0: And like waiting and trying to see how you would cope with it.
2: Yeah. Trying to like pre-cope. Yeah. And so I think that that's probably interesting. Now he's doing like really amazing and well and he's like a close friend. and That's you know, fantastic. Very rare. Like re- Like I'm really like incredibly grateful that he got to a, a point yeah. where he was able to go to jail become unaddicted to crack and he had all sorts of other you know stuff going on as, as well but that was like the you know the the main one um and to come out no money not really able to like before He was like a successful stockbroker or he was a falconer he, you know we'd go and like hunt small game with falcons and shit <laughs> you know to becoming a cr- dying crackhead you know smoking crack inside the the shed you know, where the Hawks used to be, like very interesting life path. Um, and then being around the dynamic with my mom and, you know, my brother left at that point because he was like four years older than me. Um, so that would probably be an interesting thing. So just developing compassion, I think for people and, and traveling. I traveled, I moved to Hawaii when I was 18 uh, and then I traveled every winter and I, and I won't talk too much more about this because eventually I'll probably get boring, but every winter I would travel to, I'd buy a one way ticket or I did you know, to another country someplace and I would liquidate all my shit, you know, what, you know, whatever shit I had. Yeah. Um, and just like move to a, a warm, typically warm climate where people speak a different language. And I would just be out there and go to different countries for like six months. Uh, one year I did when I was like 22 I got up, bought a motorcycle and rode through Mexico and Central America. The plan was to go to Patagonia. Um, ended up getting an injury and ended up like circling back the other side and winding up in Texas and Colorado eventually. But it was like a twelve thousand miles in seven months uh, trip. And so, just the reason I'm sharing all that stuff, one is to to like bolster my ego, you know, to prove <laughs> you that I'm a really cool person. And then, but well, the, I told them you were already. So. All right, good, very good. Um, but the other thing I think is that would add to that level of like acceptance is I don't really have a strong attachment to the idea of normal. And I think it's so important to be able to take yourself out of what is common to you, you know. And that's a, a quote that I actually had in my journal um, while doing that motorcycle trip. I don't remember who it was, but somebody smarter than me will know what it is. But something along the lines of like the the point of traveling is to be able to return to where you came from and truly know it for the first time. Wow. Whereas if you are just in that container, you don't know. You know. So so taking a, a, a part, I think one of the greatest things a person can do for themselves is go out and just be, just be other places. That's
0: like very synonymous with. You know, even when I go back to my hometown, right, people who are there were there when I was born that are still there or, you know, that I grew up with, that's never left. Like, their conversations have not changed. Mm-mm. Nothing has changed. And there's something and beautiful about that, too. It's something beautiful about it. There's something. And I'm glad you, I, like, I'm glad you recognize that. I don't. Um, <laughs> but the reason why is, maybe it's because where I'm from, it, be, it because... Like, when I come back to the same conversation and the same type of conversations, and then people look at me, and they're like, oh, Mr. Hollywood, or this person thinks they're better. Right. I'm like, I don't think that I'm better, but I made myself better. Yeah. Because it, was, it wasn't comfortable for me to leave comfort, you know, to leave normalcy. It wasn't comfortable, but... Now that I'm there, I'm like, I mean, yeah, there are plenty of people who stayed there that are doing really well and really happy and really great. I'm not saying everyone. But um, I just feel like traveling is just such an incredible part of, can be an incredible part of your growth. Being a human. Yeah. I mean, I lived in Istanbul, Turkey. I lived in Switzerland. I lived in Germany. I lived in so many places that that didn't speak the language. But I was going to ask you. Of all of your travels, mm. what is the big, like the most profound lesson you've ever learned? Mm.
2: I mean, first, I haven't traveled like that much. I've just, I just did, I was in a phase of doing that for like five or six seasons or something like that.
0: Yeah. But do you live in your um, hometown? Like where were you born?
2: No, I was born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Amish right. country. So,
0: right now, was it Dorney Park or Hershey yeah? Park? Yeah. Well, well I'm from, i from. Mean, I I grew up in Philly. Oh, shit. Philly.
2: That's really in South
0: Jersey. Come on.
2: Yeah, like it's just like an hour away. I know. Wow. All right. That makes sense. It's (laughs) all adding (laughs) up. Exactly. It's all adding up. Um, I I think probably greatest lesson that would be worthy of sharing. I don't know. Greatest lesson. I think probably that you're going to be all right. I think probably that the story that. So, an example, when I was lots of different places traveling through. Asia are traveling through maybe like Mexico particularly because Mexico is considered to be very dangerous even like especially by other Mexicans well I
0: mean that's the first thing I thought about when you were like I'm riding a motorbike I'm like excuse me
2: <laughs> so that's the so that's the thing so that would probably be the biggest thing is people are I think 99 percent kind and and then within that if, if if I placed myself in some precarious situation where I'm buying a bag of Cocaine outside of a strip club at and one a.m. one, 1 a.m. <laughs> and I'm white and barely speak the language and I pull a wad of pesos out of my pocket. Probably not the best situation, or at least increasing the statistical odds <laughs> that there's going to yeah. be a problem. Yeah, for sure. You know, but but most places in general, when you get there, like the more dangerous the place. In my experience with traveling thus far, uh, typically. What I found is when a place is notorious for being dangerous. Now there are situations where, like, like missiles being dropped and whatnot, but those people probably be even more uh, gracious and supportive of you because they're like, "What the hell are you doing here? Like, how can I protect you? How can I support you?" Yeah. And so by going into those places where people are actually like, "Oh no, don't go to Wadas or you know whatever," you upon arriving there, what I found is the people were like even more kind because they were they were surprised that you're there. You know, and they want to make like a good name for the place. You and know, they they're see- concerned for you. Yeah, they want to be <laughs> supportive, and so suddenly you get. I just had this experience actually, where I, I got off a plane from somewhere, and there was a guy who was like kind of like Rain Man type individual, very like s- stupid smart. He was a British guy, and he was traveling all around the country, uh, American country, America, um, doing this big trip. And he's spending a bunch of money and he's like 20 years old or something and i'm on the plane with this person and i'm like picking his brain he was able to sit in s- complete utter stillness for the whole entire flight and i'm like twisting and turning to all this sort of <laughs> stuff so i was, eventually i was like bro like what it like this is like some enlightened master that i'm <laughs> sitting beside um and i think his name's harry like harry boots or something on instagram i looked up his thing Um uh, but after that, I was like, I want to um, take care of this person. You know, they're traveling, they're 20 years old, you know, so I wanted, like, I'm like, i like, how can I support? How can I help? You know, so I ended up buying him uh, his Uber thing to his place. It wasn't a big deal. It was $12 or something. But it was just like that inclination that I had to be like, wow, here's this guy, this, this young guy from across the world, all by himself, like, whoa. Like, how do I... enhance and lubricate and like support this person's experience like take care of them that part in myself is everywhere you know and so so that I think probably if there's like one thing that I've I would that's worth sharing around traveling would probably be that you know I don't know what the exact perfect statistical odd would be but like 99% of most cultures are super kind
0: the fantasy in your mind is always (laughs) better than the reality a lot of times but you know, you go to these places and you're like, "Oh my gosh, it's gonna be that." Or it's just like people who suffer from anxiety. It's like, which is me. It's like this is gonna happen. This is the worst. But you get there. Do you you
2: suffer from anxiety? Yeah. Well. Oh, interesting. What does I'm, that look like?
0: I'm I'm much better hmm. now for sure. It's horrible. Hmm. It is. When does it
2: show up? What is it like? What's the experience?
0: Uh, my experience is like sickness. Like if I, well, not now. I'm so much better. Like three years ago, like I die. I was going to die every day of a different disease. Like it was terrible. It Mm. was so terrible. I felt like I was living in a cloud. Mm. You know, I was just kind of like a zombie. Like living and doing what I needed to do, but internally, like I was, it's so hard to describe. It's like walking in clear Quicksand, Like you just constantly feel like you're melting, like sinking. Yeah. But for some reason you're not, but you just don't feel whole.
2: Mm. Um Do you remember the earliest memory of you having, feeling that sensation?
0: I do. It was for some reason when my mom would leave me home, she would go out with her friends like on a weeknight and I was home with the step monster mm. and I was just like, Oh my God, like it was, i would i remember going to the window like every five seconds when is she going to come home like when is the car going to pull down the street like i could see what looked like this huge street and i go back home now and it's like the size of my phone <laughs> kind of you know so small
2: isn't that isn't that weird when you go to your parents house yes. it looks like it's like a model like a miniature model
0: yeah it's crazy and i'm like watching every car and like hoping it's her and it's not her, and then she says she's gonna be home at eight o'clock, and she's not at home at eight o'clock, and I'm just like, you know, because it was always my fear of was this is the sexual abuse going to happen at a different time? Because I was like comfortable at when it happened in the middle of the night. Don't ask me why I was comfortable with it, but I'm like, oh my gosh, like so that's when I felt like my anxiety kind of started.
2: That's that's very common. If you if you have if you can anticipate something stressful it becomes dramatically less stressful that's happened in like the like during the the time where the nazis were doing their whole like blitzkrieg thing and they're dropping bombs whatnot Mm -hmm. when they um were dropping them sporadically then the cortisol and the anxiety and all of that like just the reported anxiety of of the people in the places was very high but when you knew they're coming it's two o'clock they're gonna be dropping some bombs you just deal, it just becomes normal
0: because you can do something with that.
2: Yeah, you can start to st- like self-regulate and organize and build yourself up to the anticipation and expectation and then it's it's as was expected. you know and you're like, okay cool, I can process like the human right. the human is so interesting in our capacity to be able to buffer like so much. But what becomes really challenging is when you don't have any floor beneath your feet. you know you don't have <laughs> something that you can lean on even if it's abusive, yes. I think so that's
0: that was my earliest and then yeah then it i think then with so many it felt like there was this like rapid fire people dying of cancer you know as when i was a kid like either church folk or family members or it's just like you know somebody passing away so then it just i think it switched to like health anxiety it just exacerbated it and then it got 18 times like I say 18 times worse, but when I had kids, it became even worse. Hmm. Like it was terrible. Like when my kids were two, because then it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die of something. You know, I'm gonna, like, if I had like one weird poop, like I had colon cancer. It was terrible. Sure. It was so bad. And then I just had to, like, you know, through therapy, and then I just had to, like, I remember my husband just kept saying, What are the facts? What are the facts? You know, and that would like really help me analyze the facts. I would be like scared to go to the doctor. It was just, it was bad. Where do you feel Um, that
2: in your body? when it When it happens, like where is it in the body?
0: I feel it throughout my entire body. Hmm. There is no one place. Like there isn't. Does it uh, have a a sound, texture,
2: taste, uh, like feel? Like how how would you describe it?
0: It, it it's only a feeling it's like a it's like the cocktail is like fear mixed with like when i'm taking the sat
2: mm-hmm.
0: like but i know all the answers kind of taking the an sat mm-hmm. and i'm like i can speed through this because i know what's going on but it's also mixed with fear
2: right it's so weird what are some actual objective felt adjectives for that sensation of fear does it feel strong? Does it feel big, expansive, dense, contracted, no, it feels vibrating? Mm-mm. It feels like... Pulsating.
0: A, it's like a subtle, that tingly feeling mixed with like... Have you ever like... Like sometimes if I take a gummy and it's like indica or whatever, mm-hmm. it just feels like... I don't know if people out there who have ever gotten high. I don't like smoking unless it's a volcano, but <laughs> if I take a gummy... Like, I immediately get this super heavy feeling, and I feel like I'm, like... Like a heavy blanket kind of Yeah, like, I really feel like I'm, like, in, like, for some reason, like, I feel, like, two times my body weight. Like, that's how it feels.
2: Mm, Like, heavy. So then when I have
0: to, like, if I have to work, if I have to have a phone call, if I have to talk to somebody, I feel like I'm lifting so much heaviness. Mm.
2: What do you do when you have those experiences? Like, how do you engage with it, or... or Disassociate from it or avoid it or go deeper into
0: it I play tennis mm. I dance, I have sex- mm-hmm. and I do like some box breathing, which really helps mm-hmm. uh but really it's just like and, and I have not experienced it, experienced this in a few years, so i'm which I'm really happy about but i would it would just take time yeah like it would take some time
2: i I wonder if like sometimes in my experience slash other people have more like clinical experience working with trauma and like somatic stuff you know somatic body work and yeah. sort uh or or therapy i I wonder oftentimes I think that for me, I have a tendency of like wiggling around stuff oh. So I also would, would go, I'll go to jujitsu or I'll go hit a punching bag Very or I'll cool. go paddleboard, you, you know, or play, you call somebody, play, play, play pickleball or like, you know, uh, want to have sex? Like, ah, uh, get it out, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I think that there also, or I feel that there also is the availability to say, ah, here's this sensation coming i'm feeling my heart rate change i'm feeling my breath start to go up into my shoulders i'm feeling this heaviness in my body i feel like i you know whatever the sensation is and i think there also is another interesting direction is to actually investigate you know would say like ah like yeah, what but, like what
0: but the investigation is the is the worst for me yeah like i should not investigate
2: what if you sat what if what what would happen how how would it be dangerous to like meditate in that in that no. circumstance no 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 so that's what i mean to by investigate i mean like, oh. like okay what if i just like sit down and breathe i know well, that might not be possible for some people yeah
0: i will tell you and that's one thing i really forgot the headspace app like saved my life sure because i didn't really meditate before that i was just kind of like eh. yeah you know when it would get really overwhelming i would Do the Headspace app, and I would do like a ten minute meditation. I would go outside Mm -hmm. because I love the stars. Yeah, and I live in a great climate when it's not the summertime in Phoenix. And I would I would go outside for ten minutes and I would meditate, and I would come back in the house, and Scott would be like, "You know, how do you feel?" And I'm like, "I feel amazing." And it was kind of like it was kind of like taking Tylenol. (laughs) Like you know, it's like yeah, it masked the feeling for four hours, and it would like kind of creep back in. Yeah, but um, it really. Really, meditation really helps. I have a group online called the Unity Community and I would do um, like I would do meditations for them like on Saturdays and people would love it because and the crazy thing is like I used to think 10 minutes of meditating was so long but when I'm guiding the meditation it it, it happens so much faster because it's sure. just like you really get to connect to the breathing well, and the thoughts and the whatever.
2: idea of meditation is you know, so you ask like why I'm going to go do the five days sitting you know alone in a dark dark room in sitting with that you have no choice but to be with what is you know you use like ram does talk so whereas a a person could run circles around themselves for their whole life you know destroy their relationships push people away you know whatever feel all sorts of ways of twisted and turned and whatnot and like my skin never really fit because there's this (laughs) deep underlying kind of anxiety that's, it's in there. I don't know how to get to it. All I know is when it pops up, I go for a run and I just like, I weather the storm, Mm. you know? And and so that's a person that's maybe on like a higher end of the, 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 pendulum swing where it's like, Oh no, this is really like, it's like, it's like a lot. Um, but within that, I, I feel that there is also an option to be with it and say, okay, I'm not going to run away from it. I'm not going to go have sex with somebody or go jerk off or, you know, any of that. I'm just be like, ah, like, okay, like, where is this in my body? You know, does it have a color? Does it have a smell? Does it have a, does it have a a density? Does it have a texture? You know, oh, okay. Okay. What's behind that? Can I get down into like the smallest little uh, atomic level of this thing? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh. Like, like actually, what is the nucleus of this? Yes. this thing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so in a scenario, I've also done uh, vipassana meditation, which is a cool experience where you just pretty much sit and meditate for ten days. And it's like uh, they call it noble silence—you don't talk to anybody, you don't look at anybody. And well, they, that's
0: very that's that would be tough for me. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, man. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm like a wiggler. You've seen me this whole time. I'm sitting in forty-five different positions. <laughs> you want to know
0: something funny? Mm. So like when I first. Scott and I, my husband and I, are like so opposite. So we had to do like a long drive. One time I think we were driving from New York to LA or New York to Arizona. And he was like, I bet you can't be quiet for five minutes. And I was like, (laughs) like, who the fuck can't be? I'm like, yes, I can. He was like, I bet you can't be quiet for five minutes. I was like, I absolutely can be quiet for five minutes. I was like, I don't like talking that much, whatever. So he starts the timer and then. I was like, but wait. And he's like, and I was like, okay, okay. I was like, I just have questions. Like, can I cough? Like, can I do these things? He's like, yeah, It's just like, just, you can't talk for five minutes. It was the hardest five minutes of my life. So. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. when you say you're wiggling and I get it. Well, but
2: so a lot of that can be, like I was talking before of the, it's funny to try to figure out what we were talking about in this, in this podcast compared to, to, to mine, but we were talking here of laughter, oftentimes being a disguise for sadness or like deeper hurt. Um, you know, within that, I think that that also can be a thing where someone can maybe almost like compulsively rearrange Things you know, or compulsively want to say something. Right. You know, it's like ah, it's just a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. You know, I just yeah, I just gotta get. I have this energy. I gotta get it out. I gotta change it. I gotta <laughs> feel like I'm in control. You know, and so and and that's fine. Um, and there's g- lots of ways to self-soothe. You know, which is such a beautiful thing. And that's actually something interesting. coming back to the the, the touch conversation, and then I'll get back on the other track. <laughs> but. Uh, there was some other research that was not done by Tiffany Field, but I don't know who actually conducted this, but it was done with adolescents and young, even younger children in uh, researchers were, were observing the amount of touch that these kids would engage in, in McDonald's between Paris and Miami. And what they found is in Paris, there was a lot more contact. It was mm-hmm. just more normal. Uh, than the, the kids in Miami, which I would imagine Miami actually is more contact than a yeah, lot of places yeah, in the country. So um, but what they found is that the kids that had more physical touch were uh, much less aggressive in school, for one thing, which is interesting. And there's like, I think there's a part of like feeling a part of the tribe, feeling supported, feeling loved. Yeah. It's like, oh, it chills you out a little bit, you know. And then something else that was interesting was the kids that were in the Miami place, uh, or McDonald's, they would notice that they would self-soothe a lot more. So they would, like, touch themselves. Oh. Which is kind of an interesting thing of just, like, this, like, we just want, it's, like, physical stirring up the mechanoreceptors (laughs) in our, you know, this, this body thing. It does something to us to, like, to soothe. And I think there's also the potential availability to sit through the things and actually be with them as opposed to, you know, going out, running, kind of like avoiding the situation. Like, ah, ah, this sucks. Like, ah, go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's also value in in going and and running and all of that. Um, You know, but just one of the practices that is, I think, less leveraged for me and probably a lot of people uh, would be actually instead of running it off. Like, what if I and sit and meditate through and see what is on the other side and actually face this thing, you know? And running's great,
0: but and you're going to do that in the dark. Yeah. So one time I was in Montreal and we went to a restaurant where all the servers were blind. And so you walk into the restaurant, you order your food, kind of like you would do at a, a bodega cafe. And then you there's these like dark curtains, like these heavy, heavy, heavy curtains. And you walk through the curtain. And once you're in there, you can't see anything. You can't see your hand here. You can't see anything. Nothing. When I tell you nothing, you literally can't see anything. And eating like that was the wildest experience of my life because you sit down you don't know who's sitting behind you 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 only get to know the people you went with you don't know where they're sitting until you know you start talking to them and their voice comes over there yeah but eating like that was the wildest experience because not until that happened did I realize that you like when I when I see sweet potatoes my taste buds start to it yeah, you have happen, an exp- and you have I an salivate expectation. and then I'm just like, Oh, like I can't wait, but I'm eating this food on this plate and I have, there's no expectation until it hits your tongue. Wouldn't you know? it be great to have a relationship like that where you don't
2: s- start to pre-filter all of the parts of themselves and the way that they're being or expressing or saying or any of that. And it's, it's like, cause when you process that food, that information called food, without the visual system it's it's probably in a lot of ways a much more authentic experience you just
0: accept it
2: yeah i mean you ordered
0: it like you ordered your new spouse (laughs) yeah in a way like you chose them but like how do you not
2: there's a there's a uh, i did a podcast recently considered the world's leading experts expert around the particularly what's referred to as the biopsychosocial model but he's considered the world's leading experts expert around the, particularly what's referred to as the biopsychosocial model of pain, Bio, mm. biology, psycho mind, social culture, uh, you know, model of pain. And in that, he conducted a, a particular study around our per, how our perception affects our experience of pain. And one of the things that he, he did is he would take a cold rod. And you know had had different subjects. you'd rub the cold rod on the people's oh. arms, and then for one group, they would have a blue light being projected at the same time, and then the other group, they would have a red light projected mm-hmm. on their arm and what they found was that the what what you would probably assume happened cold rod that's red, they experienced it as being like Damn, wow, all like ah. Ah. You know, cold rod is as, as blue. They're like, oh, it's a you know, it's a cold rod. Whatever. It's not as surprising. It's like not so bad. And so that's an interesting thing of how we are doing very similar things within our daily life, where you're perceiving things as a way based off of a preconceived filter that may have manifested itself when you were you know whatever abusive scenario in your life or traumatic, oppressed, or whatever the thing may be. And it starts activating up all these signals, yeah. and then you start seeing what are actually hoses. You think that they're snakes, and the whole <laughs> world is covered with these, you know, snake-like hoses. But you I know, and, you're, and now, you're, now suddenly, your your physiological expression is chronically stressed. It's, chron- it's like in that stress threat response eventually that translates to maybe uh disrupting a person's sleep disrupting their hormone regulation you know now suddenly maybe it's chronic fatigue Mm. now that person as opposed to going to the root of what the is augmenting my filter (laughs) on the world they're going into okay i need more caffeine i need more testosterone i need like more of all of this treating this topical expression but maybe there's also the availability to come back in and say like what is the the deep internal uh, mental emotional um aspect that maybe is is starting to
0: you know pull some of these physiological levers yeah. I think that's a good challenge for i want to challenge Scott and I to do that like if we have a conversation and or maybe you
2: know pull like
0: argument but if we if if we have a discussion where we feel ourselves like you know kind of seeing the food before we get before we taste it like mm-hmm. meaning you know when someone starts to talk you're already ready to comment before you even because you you sure. know what they're going to say because you've seen the food before right. you know you heard it before but instead of salivating at your response to just maybe be silent for 10 seconds after they say it to you so you can think about it first i think that's a really great challenge for Well a that's
2: if it. you look at your senses you know, th- that's how. What percentage of your senses are are built for anything but listening? Your eyes gather information. Your nose gathers information. Your ears gather information. Your skin gathers information. The only thing that projects information out is just this this one thing, like your 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 mouth hole. <laughs> like why does it have every to be a mouth every, hole? every other why does as- it have to be a mouth hole? Every other aspect <laughs> of of your selfhood is a, a information a, a receiving yeah. system. You know, so so for that perhaps there may be some association to how to live, you know, a more effective life. You know, put it, say how many senses? What is that, five senses or something? Then yeah. there's like there's other senses too. I think there's five it? senses, eyes, but nose. they
0: call it the sixth sense because it's like the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. You know, so, so you
2: your like output aspect, you know, is pretty much whatever, call it 20 percent max and another interesting random thing the vagus nerve uh which is considered like the, the vagus means like vagrant wandering mm-hmm. you know it goes from the, the brain wanders all the way innervating you know the diaphragm and parts of the heart and various different organs uh, so it's like it's a big old honkin honkin nerve uh eighty percent of the nerve pathways it might even be 90 percent actually 80 or 90 percent Mm. It's either 8 or 9%. Let's just call it 80% uh, of the nerve pathways are um, afferent, meaning that they are gathering information from your organs and sending that information up to the brain to process. And then there's 20%, or maybe 10%, it's one of the two. I've mixed those up before, um, that is sending information uh, efferently from the brain down to the organs to tell the organs to do shit and so even from a lens of a, a from the lens crazy. of the nervous system like your body is a listener for itself so if you're just you know a loud motherfucker that's just always you know out here distributing your thoughts and opinions and all that stuff it would probably behoove that person's life or the that person's you know efficacy in life to start to sit back a little bit more
0: to be more of a receiver. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then uh, and then that would probably translate to receiving more of like them, themself. Yeah. You know, like, what's my body saying? I mean,
0: I usually ask people, you know, what does trust and believe mean to them? Oh, but I you think got a box question. No, but I don't You're need You're not going to do me like that, though. I don't need it today. <laughs> you want to know why? <laughs> Tell me. Because I really, truly know that you work on yourself so much that... The belief you have in what it is that you do is like, I think the fact that you love to learn and love to read and you are an information receiver, Mm. I think is is the lesson for people out there to be like, you know, let me go receive some information. You know, we talked about being a feeler. Mm. That's receiving information. Mm-hmm. We talked about you're receiving <laughs> fellatio from a guy. got to receive a <laughs> but little fellatio. But you received information like, hey, is this something I'm interested in, you know? You're receiving information from, like, kind of we talked about a little bit with your relationship. It's, like, amazing. Hmm. So you're a receiver. So I just told me too. about there, like, to in order to trust and believe in who you are, be more of a receiver than a loud mouth. That works for me. It works for me too.
2: Yeah, but it's nice and it's good having you know the 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 balance between if somebody is a receiver and someone is like the projector like that still works. I and know I'm the
0: projector of my relationship. I was talking to myself. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I do I do listen yeah. way more now as an adult as yeah, a 44 year old in the world. Yeah. yeah. But thank you. Yeah, man,
2: thank you so much. I appreciate you. Where do we find you, Aaron? I do the gram. It's the Align Podcast. I wrote a book. It's called the Align Method. Uh, There it is. Laird Laird Hamilton's on the front there, saying he he thinks the Align Method makes sense. I appreciate that. Um, And I think that's probably enough. Most people probably just go to social media. I am. Most of what we talked about in this conversation doesn't really relate to the things that I teach about. I teach about movement and um, how people's bodies can function way more effectively, uh, spaciously. Uh, with less pain than probably they think and so that's what I do predominantly on all the social media pa- platforms YouTube's and Instagram and all that that's what the book is about and we also have an online program that is a six week program that will be launching maybe like late November early December That there's a free trial um, that's going to be rad I won't go into the, all the details of what it is Sweet. but it'll be awesome i'm really super excited about it i'm as excited about that as i as i was about doing the book a couple years ago so it's like that level of like oh shit like that's this awesome. this is cool um so yeah the six-week line method online program will be out late november or early december and uh that's it line podcast is the handle for all things
1: let's go thank you Aaron.
2: thank you man <laughs> what a great time